yarn. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we're back to Laudato Si. We're looking at it... For part two. Again, part two. Uh, So in the last episode, we talked a lot about the problems that were raised in the document. Uh, And this time, we're going to be talking about the solutions. We'll probably be talking about the problems as well, let's face it. But we're going to talk about the solutions as well. Um, So, I don't... There's so much in this document that I really don't know... Where to begin? So uh, you need I guess to read it yourself at the I end will, of the day. Like, I'll begin with with the first sentence because I was telling Victoria this that if you just want like a Twitter summary of this whole document, <laughs> oh no, you'll get it here. The first sentence of chapter six is: "Many things have to change course, but it is we human beings, above all, who need to change." That's pretty much that's. Pretty much a... Uh, That's actually a pretty fair summary of the entire document. Yeah, I, when I read that, I thought, well, I just needed to read that sentence. <laughs> I mean, he goes into detail exactly you get this, what that is. If you understand the full meaning of that sentence, you get this document. Yeah, that's pretty That's pretty much it. Um, I mean, there's a lot... There's a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Victoria, Victoria <laughs> is still laughing at my picture of Pope Francis on the cover of my copy of Laudato Si. It is pretty hilarious. It's pretty funny. It's really we should, funny. We, we, I, think we'll, I think we'll take a photo of it and post it to social media because it's just it's just too good. Because it came up in the last one as well, I yes. think. So yeah, you need to know what we're talking about. Yes, it's quite, we, we it's shall quite we shall put funny. an example. We shall attach an example. <laughs> we shall attach an example. We're also in a bit of a silly mood, but we are in a bit of a silly mood. <laughs> the book is down. She's turned the book over so Pope she doesn't Brad, have to Sorry, say Pope Frankie, you're being distracting. We're putting you away now. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> the solution to the problems that Pope Francis raises, and if you remember from the last episode, the problems generally address her, of course, with the environment, but Pope Francis looks at that as really being a symptom or part of the greater problem, which is... Um, human beings. <laughs> human <laughs> that, beings, that... but specifically human beings from around about the 16th, 17th century. Um, but in particular. In particular. Um, see, I didn't use the word modernity. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's challenged himself to use the word modernity as little as possible. This is going to yeah, be funny. Yeah, this will be interesting. This will be fun. Um, we're looking at the solutions, though, remember, not the problems. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I guess part of that initially that Pope Francis turns his attention to is um, following on from, I think we got up to around about chapter two or three in the last episode, where he starts turning his attention towards when he's looking at the solutions to the problem is this thing that he calls, and I love this term, in fact, if I didn't know that Pope Francis was uh, a South American, Spanish-speaking South American who probably wrote this in Italian, I would have thought that this was German because it's technocratic paradigm, which is a great <laughs> word and a word that I imagine Germans would come up with because they come up with some great words. Uh, technocratic paradigm. And, um, yeah, so, Chiara, do you, do you recall what exactly that means and go into uh, it? So he's talking about the way that we... We basically develop this new technology and go, woohoo, new technology. And then we realize it has unintended consequences. So, for example, um, digging this new fangled, you know, black stuff out of the ground called coal, 
was amazing because finally we had a steady and reliable heat source that we could, you know, smelt iron and, you know, make steel and, you know, generate electricity. And isn't this stuff fantastic? Look, it can heat our homes. It's a wonder, miracle thing. And then we realized that burning coal is actually kind of filthy and gross and dirty and not sustainable not sustainable Mm. and now you know and you know we know we now know it's actually a finite resource and so basically what we have tried to do is to solve the problem that we have created by burning coal is we have tried to find ways to make coal cleaner so, for example, we uh, so so for example, a lot of coal goes through a process that sort of extracts some of the more grosser stuff out of it, and so it burns cleaner. That doesn't really solve the problem. Um, and so we do. So basically, we try and find, and that has unintended consequences too, because that then, because then when you're purifying things, you're creating waste because you've got to do something with all the chemicals mm. you extract. The, you know, the all process. That sort of the process involved with, I guess, with the with the technocratic paradigm is, as you've highlighted there, it's like, oh, we've we've cut, we've we've found a problem, and so we're going to solve it with more technology. And it seems to be a, we've we've gotten to this point where our entire lives and our entire society is our managed by technology is managed by technology, and for the purpose of technology, which really doesn't make any sense no. because it's. And if you we, don't we, believe me, how many times the, do you compulsively check your phone? Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> yeah. I think there was this. There was this great line that I'm pretty sure it's in this document. I'm pretty sure he says something about. Um, I'll try and try and look up. Here we go. Here it is. He says we have many. We have too many means and only a few insubstantial ends, which is great because he says that we've got. Um, He's where he's talking about this is he's speaking mostly about politics and uh, and and economics, but there's also this sense that we have a lot of uh, technology, we have a lot of means to doing things, but means are inevitably that's what makes them means directed towards some kind of end. But we don't have a view of ends. No, in our society today and in the world today, we very much view technology itself, growth. Um, money as an end as, as the end in itself, which makes you take a step back and you realize that that doesn't make any sense. No, because money is just a tool. It's for it, something else. Yeah. You, you end up with this infinite, infinite chain, which becomes well. You use that to what? You use that to what? You use that to what? And we don't actually have a, uh, a proper the, proper proper end. We've, lost, ends the whole, we've lost the point of the game. We've exactly. lost the point of the game where you get so caught up in the it's it's like it's like watching seven year olds try and organize a game on the playground. They get so caught up in making all the rules <laughs> that they never actually get to play the game because they're so busy. You know, they get so they get so tunnel visioned in on making on inventing all the rules, and because someone goes, "Oh, what about this situation?" So then they figure out, then they all com- you know they all figure out what to do in that situation. So I says, "What about this?" And so they figure it all. And out. then the bell goes. Well, another Sorry. another example of so, that is you how... know, they forget the whole point of the rules, which was to play the game. Oh, kids. To... Well, an example of that in the adult world is the fact that we work all these. We we used to work so that we could have leisure, so that we could have time with our families, so we, uh, so that we could eat, we could do all of this stuff. We would um, work to live, and now there's this mentality of. You live to work, and people work and work and work, and don't realize that you're meant to be looking forward to the break from work, well, which what's... is what you're living for. That break, yeah. 
What what's I mean when if you were to ask you know pretty much anyone our age I mean not us no I'm not saying I'm not saying immune to it but um, you ask a lot of people from around around our generation or pretty much a, a lot of like outside of this generation you know what is what, what do you want to do with your life if you ask someone what do you want to do with your life. The answer that you get usually isn't some it's grand philosophical choice. answer. It's a career choice. It would be, I want to make, you know, 300K by the time I'm 30. Um, I want to climb up the ladder. I want to switch jobs a few times. You know, I want to do that. But we... That doesn't really... Again, that doesn't really make any sense because it's it's that's simply a means to doing something else. Um, like, why do you need to make 300K a year? Mm. And I think what this like, what this goes well, because I would like to have a big family, and big families are you know big families. Well, you might you be know. going so yeah. That, that, would, that be, would be that, that would be your would, goal in life. That would be the goal, and that life. is different but, to saying that uh, to being in a job that fulfills you and that helps mm. other people. We're talking about those sort of jobs that. But there's a difference, basically, the difference between a career and a vocation. So yes, that's, absolutely. So the the career is your means to achieving your the fulfillment of your vocation, if that makes sense. The way Catholics understand it, so it doesn't necessarily matter exactly. So you could you could fulfill your vocation via multiple career by via multiple different career paths, as long as you are fulfilling, you find a way that you are called to fulfill your vocation, which is your purpose, which is your mm. higher purpose in life. But what and what this what this goes back to, Pope Francis points out, is that with this technocratic paradigm, the end is not as you say, the family. The end is not God. The end is consumption, which, again, is a means. But the end becomes consumption. And this is is very problematic because um, consumption is not... How would I put it? It's sometimes production as well, not even consumption. It's the production for the... I guess for the purpose of consumption. It's gotten to such a point where now it's just... Potentially just yeah. production, and this, this is again. This is what this is what he's pointing out when he looks when he says talks about politics and economics. You know, politics and when when you uh, hear politicians and economists talk these days about what the best thing to do for a country is, it's almost inevitably economic growth. I'm not saying economic growth is bad, In but itself. that has become the sole uh, the, mm. the sole. Uh, what's purpose, the word I'm looking for? Purpose, um, or organising principle around how we, t- what policies we choose, and how we choose to do our politics. It's all to drive economic growth. Absolutely. And if you if you come up with, well, hang on a second, you know, maybe for the sake of something greater, we just need to be a little bit poorer. I would never be elected as a politician for saying that. You know, I would never because it's, no, you it's, wouldn't. I would. I would. It's terrible. And I guess that's again, it goes back to. Uh, our, our political paradigm, which is, depending on whether we're talking about federal or state or in what country we're in and whatever, is three to four year terms. Like that's that's the that's the three to four years that a politician thinks ahead because they want to get reelected in the next election. They're gonna, not going to think fifty, a hundred, a thousand years into the and future. And unfortunately, politics is becoming has become the sole purpose of polit- the sole reason politicians exist nowadays is to get reelected these days. So it seems, mm. and not to um, even politics itself has lost its mentality of being a public service as opposed to um, you know as opposed to just being a a career, mm. if anything. But again, this this is 
We're, we're talking about problems. We're still <laughs> we talking about-, about solutions. 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 The solution is really, Pope Francis says, to get back to reality. To get back to reality. That we in, in the Western world and increasingly in the developing world as well because- have on all sides of politics become... We, we desire as much as possible to disconnect ourselves from reality. To use the, the horrible, Kiara hates this, the horrible left-right dichotomy, um, <laughs> which is understandable because it's a terrible one. Um, the left very much wants to disconnect itself from reality in terms of society. But it wants a society disconnected from reality. Let's let's say, you know, we were talking about last episode, I think, about the, the Caitlyn Jenner situation. Well, we want to disconnect, or, our, disconnect from the physical reality, from our material reality, from our physical reality. And the right, the right wants to disconnect itself from, I guess you could say, an environmental reality or fr- freedom from uh, responsibility towards... The world anyone other us. than uh, any anyone other than your sole individual person, possibly. Because no, the right is extremely individualistic. If you, especially if you get down to, I guess both the, both, uh, both sides are very individualistic, but they both want to address. They're very much about liberation. That's yeah. what the. That's why mo- they're attractive. Modern, modern. That's what the <laughs> modern period is: the li- liberation from from reality. And both of them want to liberate themselves from reality in different ways. In different ways. And Pope Francis is saying no. We have to get back to reality. Part of the way that we do this is through is through caring for the world around us. You know, as I think we talked about in the last episode, we have become very disconnected in the Western world from the world around us. And in, it's a really interesting way. There's a great book out there called The Last Child in the Woods, and it's this, soci- this um, sociologist and child... I think he's a child psychologist, sociologist, forgotten his name, but he basically writes about how... Um, he's coined the term nature deficit disorder mm-hmm. and how kids are being negatively impacted by the lack of their access to the natural, you know, intimate connection with the natural world. So these <clears throat> kids can tell you all about the Amazon rainforest and the fact that it's being cut down, but they've never been in they a might wood, as well, the woods near the house. They themselves. might as well be talking about, you know, the, the unicorns on Pluto. Like it's No, I like, can look, well, I can attest to this as an educator. Um, having to teach about romantic poetry, but also coastal management and things like that. Yep, they oh, can tell you. They can tell you what longshore drift is. They can tell you what what a forest is. Now. I'll tell you later. <laughs> um, but not. they can't. They don't actually know the emotions and the physical and what it's like spiritual um, reactions you have to the natural world, and that's disturbing. Because if you don't actually have that primordial, that it's a primordial is a wrong word, but if you don't have that, very, no, I think very, it's okay. I think that's the right word. If you don't have that time that you spend in the in physically in nature, you you can't love it. It should be noted here; it's not their fault. It's the no, fact it's that there's it's the fact that there's urbanization. It's the fact that it's the technocratic paradigm. It is, that and also like over an oh, like a um, it's also a risk management society. Yes, that's and oh, a litig- uh, you know litig- litigious culture that says, and also you know, and it's also partially, um, it's also partially the social expectations on parents to make sure nothing terrible ever happens to their kids ever. Yeah, and so you know, like you know, and that's all 
it's, mm. it's all it's all mm. through a series of factors. I'm that- going to link this back to a quote from Pope Francis. We are talking about the solutions, but he's yes. talking about he's talking about a problematic view of a solution. Okay, yes. okay. still talking about the solutions. Yes. So this is uh, is it article paragraph? What do you call paragraph. them? Paragraph uh, thirty four. We seem to think that we can substitute an irreplaceable and irretrievable beauty with something which we have created ourselves. Okay, and in my opinion, that's my favourite sentence and that could almost be another Twitter summary of the encyclical because, yeah, Chiara, what Kiara is saying is right. You could, repl- like, a kid can hurt themselves climbing a tree. Why not have them in an asphalt playground? Nowhere near a forest. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, but there's a real there. There is a difference. There is a serious difference, and it's sorry. The playground just doesn't cut it. Again, it's this going back to how I'm saying this desire for liberation from reality because liber- because reality sucks in in a it's lot of ways. It's confronting. It's confronting, and it's very much. I have, as a person, I have certain desires. I have desires. Basically, to avoid original sin, first of all. Um, and we have, as a, as a society, we have seen technology and the pursuit of technology as the way to overcome this. This is good to a certain extent. Of course this it's is good. good. But you know, it means, it means, that, it means that children aren't dying. You know, yeah, it and means mothers that, aren't dying in childhood. Yeah, like, like these, things, is... these things are fantastic. But at the same time, we need to acknowledge... How can we? How can we live in a society where we desire technology, or where we create technology that doesn't mean that we disconnect ourselves from reality as a desire for an inauthentic freedom? Because reality is a liberation that the the existential liberation that sort of modernity has been seeking from reality is just a prison. It's a prison within ourselves and within our own mind, and it's misery. It's misery, and the only way we can cope with it is by numbing ourselves with all kinds of things that we find in the modern world. And, you know, there's also there's the old ones like alcohol, uh, drugs, or whatever, but also new things too, like smartphone addictions. Pope and, Francis brings exactly that up. Yeah, yeah. He's just, we've got, and we've now got more means than ever to numb ourselves from that, divor- from the discomfort of that. You know that divorce, that liberate, that liberating process when it's not actually liberation at all. So his solution, effectively, is a big kick up the backside. For a, of, it's, it's, I can probably, it I can probably summarize his solution by going through actually the titles of, of his chat. Yeah, the different and, and let's face like it, that it's, pretty a, much it's it, a really yeah. massive kick up the backside for anyone in a position of for anyone who is fortunate enough to own a computer or fortunate enough to you know have live in a city which has really good running water like you mm. know that's you know all so basically the western world and probably a whole bunch of developing world elites um he's basically looking right at it and saying i'm talking to you this is what you need you know pull your you know pull your finger out he's very much putting the onus on those who have the most power and responsibility it's sort of like that bit from um the bible that great responsibility well no not that but that as well but the for those who have been given much much will be Mm. expected there's a lot of that yes um and And that's why it's uncomfortable to read and it's because it's because i guess in a sense well for, for us you know who have been given or, or politicians, or, or what have you, um, we're part of the. We've got a big 
debt to pay it's in true. terms of the problem. Yeah, and because so... we have, you know, we've borrowed a lot, so to speak, mm. um, and it, the, and it's coming time to repay it, and we kind of are being very, very terrible debtors and not wanting to repay our debts, but so to speak, uh, metaphorically speaking. I mean, but the other thing too is like a lot of his solutions are really oriented in, especially the bit about. If you to to those whom is given much is expected of you. Mm. So if you look at the parable of the talents, for example, you know one man gets given five talents and he goes away and you know makes five more. And another man's given two talents, he goes away and makes two more talents, and then comes back and the other man, you know, just buries his talent and just buries his talent and then goes and returns a single talent. And at the end, and we're being like that one guy. Mm. We're being like the guy with the one talent who's too terrified to actually take a risk and go and use the gifts that we are given and the the capital that we have. And it's because, but there's a lot of... Because it's there's, there's not a, in our interest. There's, exactly. There's a, there's a lot of... I say a, that with, with imaginary with inverted, comma, inverted um, commas. There's a lot of, I guess, benefits, you could say. Not great benefits, but benefits to, to really not wanting to do anything because, I mean, it's politically convenient. It, it's hard. Um, well, it's, it's, harder it's, to, hard. it's harder to do something than it is to do nothing. And so it's, it, makes, it makes it quite difficult, as Pope Francis points out when he's looking at economics and politics and their role in the solution, is that there needs to be this, this desire to say, to take up some leadership to really say, look, we need to actually do something about the world around us because it ain't going to solve itself. No. Well, it will solve itself and it ain't going to be pretty for us. No. Um, because no. that's we can either have We can either have it solve it for us or we can, do, or we can solve it ourselves. Mm. So. But I just wanted, I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to run through, like, the kind of nine-step, mm. not nine-step the process, nine step but the nine, the nine parts, <laughs> the nine parts of um, that Pope Francis looks at and his final chapter, because I think that this really does create the good summary. I was joking that I'd say the, the titles, but I pretty much am. Um, is first of all, there's there's the um, desire for a new lifestyle. So we really need to change our lifestyle. This is not something that clicking like on a or signing a petition is going to solve. Not slacktivism. Not slacktivism. That's out. We can't do that. Um, education on what he describes as the covenant between humanity and the environment. As, as Catholics, we should acknowledge this because we have a covenant between ourselves and God through Jesus Christ. And so having that, that covenant there, we can sort of see how we can relate, relate this not only to the covenant that we have with each other uh, as human beings by virtue of being made in the image and likeness of God, but also with, with the environment uh, and how and we can... this is not to say can... the Catholic Church is an earth, earth mother-worshipping cult, but the world was included in the covenant. Like it's, Absolutely. And it's, it was one of the... All physical created was, reality was, and it was included one of the, in the covenant. It was covenant. one of the main things, as Pope Francis points out, uh, that was broken at the fall. And mm. so it's one of the things that, that Christ helps redeem. Yeah. Um, ecological conversion, that kind of explains itself. A desire for joy and peace. So understanding joy and peace as being one of the goals of our, of our lives. Um, returning love to, to civics and politics, I love and this that. was this was really that is he points out Saint, so necessary. Saint Teresa of Lisieux and the little way, and like if can can you imagine Saint Teresa of Lisieux's little way in politics? I can't, but it's like it's it would, but it's <laughs> but you know doing little things with great doing those little things with great love. 
But also, Foz, how much but- different would the world be if everyone, myself included, did little things with great love? And- we put a lot more effort in to start with. And but also, also, but also, it would totally change the character of. It would totally change the character of the political environment. It's no longer a space where it's no longer a space of contention and competition. It's a space of. Um, it's a space of common good mm. and an under you know and a vision and it's a it's a space of concert. It's a space of. Where you've got you know, yes, you may have you know sort of opposing sides of politics, but they really, really, really do get. But they re, but they get the fact you know that contention that that contention or that tension between the two you know the means so to speak the different means of achieving mm. something is not so poisonous and toxic that it gets in the way of achieving the ends. Yeah, it's yeah. it becomes part of the pro- it becomes a you know because when every when when all everything is taken with with a debate of if a debate is done with the spirit of respect and mutual respect and love for the other person and we're not talking lovey dovey feeling things but willing the good of the mm. other person mm. um, charity if you if you want another word um, when debate is respectful and charitable. It's so much more effective, Absolutely. so much more gets done, and we'll get better policy out of it. Absolutely. That's like, exactly right. <laughs> you know, um, because we'll stop assuming the worst about the leader of the opposition or whatever, and, not, we'll, get, and we'll, be... we'll stop getting this nonsense of opposing for the sake of opposing, because yeah, it's in yeah. my job title. Yeah. I'm the leader of opposition. I oppose things. But they're the actually kind red. of good. I oppose it. <laughs> um <laughs> The sixth sixth part he talks about is sacramental signs and the celebration of rest. That's the title that he puts of that area there. And being is that the one that where he talks no about Sunday trading? Is that the one where he talks yes, about I agree. Uh, the the Israelites who had that you know on the seventh day they rested, but also on the seventh in the seventh year they had the day yes. the, the whole year of rest for the land where yeah, they would only cultivate and every and every seventh no seventh seven year. week no seven weeks. Uh, no, seven, seven weeks, weeks of a of year, years. which is... So after seven, so every 50 40, years... No, 49 years, was yeah. the year after the seven weeks of ah, years. Ah, there you go. Every 50 years... Every jubilee. Um, jubilee, is, yeah. is a jubilee year. And it's... And that's where you're meant to be... So, but it's so beautiful because it very much... It's something that I think we've... Really lost, lost because we're not an agricultural society anymore. Yes, in the, in the, ch- the church very much had an idea about, like, had this... I mean, look at the... People have, can might get annoyed at how Easter changes every year. But the reason why they do that is because it's related to the movements of the heavens. That it's the, the it's, moon. it's, a lunar, the moon. it's on a lunar cycle. Um, and, and the earth in comparison to the sun and that kind of thing. Um, very much this idea of everything being in cycles, everything being like that's, that's how and nature is. And all good is. agricultural practices incorporates lying fallow. Because the yes. land does need to rest, but also we had that in our spiritual it's, again, lives. It's a, it's a thing that we lost for quite a while during during sort of the industrial revolutionising of agriculture, mm. and it's caused big problems because basically you just destroy you 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 destroy it. You overwork. You overwork. But the, the thing land, is that it. we have that in our spiritual lives. We mirror that. So we have we have days of feasting, and we have we days have Lent. Fasting. And we have days of fasting, um, like the seasons. We've, and we have, we have winter. Rest. We have spring. We like, yeah, this cyclical nature. We've lost a lot. But because yeah, not, we, you wouldn't know it because we sit in air conditioned. So many of us sit in air conditioned offices, and like, maybe and we have five fruit. minutes outside all year round. The office to the car. And the, the irony of it is, is that even though we have, again, going back to the technology thing, you know, we have so much leisure activity at our disposal. It's almost like it's become flattened, where leisure has become work 
if, if yes. you get what I mean, where it's just like our society is very much, you know, go hard out or go home. Like yeah, that kind of work hard, play hard, as opposed kind to of just mentality, rather than, mm. yeah, this kind of sense of, and again, it goes back to everything we've been talking about, the technocratic paradigm, the fact that we have very little contact with nature today, all these kinds of things. And with the, in the sacraments, you know, we're talking about on the Sunday or, or every, you can do it every day, but specifically on Sundays where you have the Eucharist, the sacraments are really, again, this document you were talking about, the, you want to talk about this, I don't think we'll have much time, but um, how, how Catholic this document is. Environmentalism is fairly Catholic in that the Catholic Church is probably one of the earthiest Religions, religions there is there is our entire calendar every, is seasonal. now also our, every sacrament needs a thing an like example needs- of this is our lord when he uh healed yeah. the man where he spat that- on his hand and got mud and placed it on this man's eyes yeah. like ew <laughs> to be honest all jesus had to do was say something or think something but no he chose to use the earth and his body mm. and his spit well, that's what I mean, like <laughs> yes. spit from his body yes. to to make this earthy healing. All right? Yeah, There's something really pretty incredible about that. Go, yeah, He didn't absolutely. even have to touch the guy, but he absolutely. chose to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's because... Because we are embodied we, beings. And, it's, he and created, that's a good that's, thing. That's, 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 Gen- that's the first chapter of Genesis right there, is that, I mean, I guess we've become, after 2,000 years of Christian, well, 3,000 years of... Of, of, I'm not sure how old that book is, but um, more, more, many thousands of years. Um, we've become, I guess, a little bit desensitized to what what is Scripture saying when it says that God made the heavens and the earth. It means that there is. It doesn't no, mean God is... literally made the heavens and the earth on this day. Well, he d- yeah, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. mean literally that people. But in the sense, in the sense, in the sense that everything, everything is God's. Uh, everything that is created is ultimately God's. This is very different to the pagan societies that, that Judaism rose up around, which said that there was the God of the tree and the God of the sun and the God of the water. and the God. No. There, God, I have a quote. Is, God just is. These are his things. Yeah, I have even, a quote. even if those little gods exist, they are subject to the God of the Jews, of the God of Israel, Isaac, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Article 76. Um, In the Judeo-Christian tradition, the word creation has a broader meaning than nature, for it it has to do with God's loving plan in which every creature has its own value and significance. Nature is usually seen as a system which can be studied, understood, and controlled, whereas creation can only be understood as a gift from the outstretched hand of the Father of all, and as a reality illuminated by the love which calls us together into the universal communion. Mm. And that's all where, in all, that's, God created it all. And that's out of that's love. where that's where I guess is such a beautiful thing about the sacraments is that the sacraments are the they ultimate. reveal something about God, and they are such a beautiful gift that God has given to us. God could have given to us these sacraments. Well, no, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> I guess things like baptism, like the forgiveness of sins confirmation all of these all of these sacraments um involve very earthy kind of things very yet they don't things. they don't have to baptism could have simply been you're welcomed into the church and that's it 
It didn't have to involve water. It didn't water. have to involve water. No. But how much more beautiful, how much greater imagery, when you look at the oh, imagery how much of the going into, on the death, into death and then coming out, or the cleansing of our sins, all of these layers and layers of meaning that we get simply by adding a piece of creation that, that God did because it reflects him so much better. Mm. He's not a created thing, and yet he has designed he's, it so that created things reflect exactly. him. But also um, it's because he's a, a loving father and we are his children. We have trouble understanding things sometimes. So just like a teacher does in the classroom, you find a tactile thing, you find something that they have a relationship with, that they understand, and you use that because abstract thoughts are hard sometimes. But if you get water, every peasant who is like a peasant who is illiterate, who hasn't you know, he knows what water is, he knows what water does. Mm. He knows that we need water to survive. And that's another element to why God uses mm. like earthy things for the sacraments and for explaining such beautiful and spiritually rich um what's the word? Occurrences? Things? Things is the only <laughs> I'm not sure what word things. you're looking for. Things. Realities. Elements. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, um funny yeah. story like funny story, like just even with wine. Um, do you know what fun fact the culture that has the lowest incidence of alcoholism in its population is Orthodox Judaism? You want to know why? Because wine is sacramentalized. Mm. Wine, right from in all throughout all the alcohol in general, all throughout Orthodox Judaism. I've got a, I've got a friend of mine at uni who's an Orthodox Jew, and he can attest to this. Wine and alcohol, no matter what it is, is a gift from God and it is used to, ble- you know, as a blessing. It is, it is a blessing to us and it is also used in context of blessing. So the Sabbath is never complete without wine. Mm. Any Jewish celebration is not complete without wine. And quite often, you know, wine is a part of, you know, and again, and so, and that's, that's one of the reasons why the Eucharist is the body and the blood, the bread and mm. the wine, because, we draw it. We draw on that spiritual wisdom, and alcohol become you know that you know wine and beer and vodka and whatever else you whatever else you want. It, yes, it's a created reality, but it's it's a sign. It's it's also a sign of God. But you know, and it's really when, that when you say that shift it's, is so fundamental. It's really beautiful because I think Pope Francis is calling us to kind of have that approach. To everything. Mm. Yes. To use responsibly and with thanksgiving instead of and abusing it. Yes, exactly. And using it to... Um, G.K. To the, Chesterton to the... said, drink, you know, thank God for wine by not drinking too much of it. Ah, there you go. Like, you, yeah, I like that. No, yeah. and that could, yeah. that's the whole encyclical. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Done. A G.K. Chesterton. Thank, thank God for the earth by not taking too much from it. Yeah. Wonderful. It's, and that's... Well, we could finish there, but I won't. Because <laughs> <laughs> Luke's still have, had to have have still, We'll, we'll have our closing off... Uh, well, we've got. We've, yeah. I just want to quickly run through the last three, which was the Trinity and the relationship between creatures. I do oh, wonderful! Again, it's the the um, the relational aspect of the relation, God as it applies that, to that the is, earth. That is God Himself. That's yeah. the very nature of God: is that He is relational in Himself, and so we must be the same. So, how dare we think that we are the, we an have, individual yeah. and that, and that doesn't have, relate to anyone or have responsibility yeah, for anyone? It makes no sense. It's yeah. demonic. It's really. stupid. Um, Manichaean. Be gone. <laughs> the, queen, the queen of all creation. Yes. The queen of all creation. We have Our Lady. Um, who... I'm sorry, but did anyone else, like, because I flicked through it, did anyone else not see Galadriel? 
Uh, I yes. just being a total Tolkien? No, 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 no. She no, comes to mind. It. There you go. Yeah, I, no. I, I, I mean, look, Galadriel for me is, and I say this because I was kind of watching Lord of the Rings on a rainy day, and I shouldn't have been. I should have been working. But anyway, <laughs> I just loved the way that. You know, just you know. I mean, apart from all the other, all the typical Marian imagery, there was just something really. The, the you know the way Galad- Tolkien depicts Galadriel. It's not coincident that there are three spe- there are three significant female figures in Lord of the Rings, and one of them's Galadriel because it focuses on the connection between because um, the you know the elves have this beautiful connection with the natural world. Mm. They are fully integrated with the natural world. They work with the natural world. They embrace it they embrace it and they love it and they glorify it and their work adds to it and so Galadriel is like the ultimate sort of perfection of that in many ways and so I don't know the queen of all creation just I just to me just said yeah it's I'm a total Tolkien geek I'm total Tolkien geeking out right now but that's okay it's I guess you can ignore me if you don't see it our lady in her person shows us um shows us something about creation in that she, I guess, is one of the few... Well, she is the perfect creation. She's in, yeah, she's the perfect creation. And in the sense of, in this very kind of Thomistic way, that God has created us so that he, so that we can return to him. There's this going out and returning to him. And Our Lady has accomplished that. Yeah. When I say accomplished, I don't mean she did it on her own power. God has accomplished that in her. Yeah, through um, grace. She, so, she said yes, though. That's, yeah, that's, that's the hard bit. That's the hard bit for uh, the rest and of us. And he also mentions St. Joseph as well. You know, yeah. we see that kind the of... Hard I guess we need, we need very much a St. Joseph kind of approach to this, is just, you know, stop stop talking, because St. Joseph never talks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know my favourite St. <laughs> Joseph quote? <laughs> <laughs> dot, the dot, end. Dot. <laughs> you know what? He, he doesn't need to. He was indispensable. He's, he doesn't need yeah. to say nothing. Um, and I guess what we can learn from that is we need to stop. Okay, conventions and all of that are great. But at one point, we need to stop talking, 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 and we need to do. Mm. We need to do a lot. Yeah. That's what St. Joseph did. And that's he what he just, did. He just did it. The angel told him what to do, and he just went and did it. And how, how much better off are we for it? And then finally, we have. I was, I was joking about how much I like this beyond the sun. This is what Luke's going but to But anyway, call I'm his not going to talk about that. Debut rap album. <laughs> debut rap album, Beyond the Sun. Straight out of Cradio. Um, oh, no, that's terrible. Um, but seriously, is that, of course, this should be very obvious. We've talked about creation, we've talked about creation's relationship with God. Now we have God Himself. He says here, Jesus says, I make all things new. And that is what creation is aiming towards, is God himself. So it gives us glimpses of that. When you see a sunrise or the peaks of a mountain or something like that, that is a very small glimpse of of heaven. Mm. I mean, he doesn't, he hasn't jumped us in a garbage tip. He's 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 given us some very weighty clues as to what it's going to look like. And I, in my opinion, it's found a lot in nature. Yeah. It's found in in literature as well and in human relationships. But nature, I find, is one of the most convincing and one of the most beautiful. You look up at the stars at night, the five million, the five billion star mode, the five million billion star hotels. Were you the one who shared that yesterday? (laughs) 
No. Okay. Because <laughs> no. I, I saw that on Facebook yesterday. It's the five-star hotel versus the five-billion-star five hotel, hotel. Yeah. Which is great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's like, you know, you just, I mean, and honestly, like, if any, if you've ever been out to see the night sky where there's no lights around, you're out remote, and you look, and you look up at and all you can say is, wow. Yeah, you made this. It's, it's astounding. And you and I mean I have no I mean people wonder where the whole concept of sort of religious belief or god came from. I'm like just look at the stars. Well, Dante says the Dante, Dante Alighieri yes. says that it nature is the art of god. And he was right. It's just, it, yeah, but I mean it's it's no wonder that we are it's no wonder that we are the way we are, that we do seek a meaning outside of the created reality that we know and experience. Because mm. that the reason why we are spiritual beings is because just look at the world around us. Look up! Mm. Do you reckon that has a direct relationship to the lack of religion in our world that we're so cut off from nature? I, do, um, I think they're interconnected. I do think they're think, interconnected. It's kind I of think, like what came first, chicken or the egg. But, it's, but... It's, in, it's interesting because when you look at the rise of new age in our contemporary mm, yeah. society. That's a response to... It is a, a, response. a response. It's a cry it's a out for authenticity. Because, because we, you know, G.K. Chesterton says, you know, where did all the pagans go? They became Christian. You know, and so when we've, um, today... Where did all the Christians go? We, we've, when we've eliminated, you know, this sense of wonder and that, this sense of wonder about nature and this sense of wonder about anything, really... People just can't start trying again from the basic building blocks without revelation. You ask where. So where do they end up with paganism? It's where we ended up before. It's gonna be where we end up again if we start with the basic building blocks again without revelation. We go back to square one. Yeah, and I guess there's that yearning. You know, Mm. of course, also New Age very much unlike the old pagan. Yeah, um, kind of. Very, very much incorporates a lot of the modernism um, or postmodernism. And the post, the the so and some weird, weird anyway. interpretations of Christianity. But we anyway, might, we might have to deal with New Age in another episode. <laughs> um, but I think that's definitely all we have time for. I didn't expect this to go as long as it did. Can I end with a quote? Go. I yes. just, you I have, think you have the floor. Good. Go. Okay, so this is a quote from E. Cummings, uh, who's notorious for writing in a very unusual manner with less punctuation and strange syntax but this is actually quite normal for him but anyway <laughs> oh, good. Um, <laughs> oh good looking forward to your reading great um, and I thought it in this was what was coming to mind when I was reading it he says this is from a poem I thank God for this most amazing day for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and for the blue dream of sky and for everything which is natural which is infinite which is yes that's E.E. Cummings. And so the which is yes bit was the bit that I liked the most mm. because creation is yes. And so Pope Francis is asking us to return to that yes, like Our Lady. And so there we go. E.E. Cummings, thank you. I think that's a good place to finish. Um, what are we what, doing? Oh. I don't know what we're going to do <laughs> in the next episode. I don't even want to think about it. Um <laughs> We'll, 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 we'll get back we'll to get you back on the mystery. This is every second episode. <laughs> Feel free um, to email us some suggestions. Yeah, thanks, Jordan, for your email, by the way. Yes, really thank appreciate you, Jordan. it. Thank you. We've um, although I don't think you suggested any. Oh, he did. He did suggest a couple, but that was just that wasn't like suggestions for the show. They were just no. further general reading. suggestions. Well, you know, we should not not next episode because it's impossible for it, for us to import the book in that amount of time. But there's that new Tolkien, new, uh, newly published Tolkien 
uh, yes. short story. Ah, uh, yes. In a couple of episodes. But uh, in the meantime, we'll next episode, that. mystery text. Okay. So we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. See ya. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.